With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Just on uh, just past 10 o'clock as we get started here. Take you for the next couple of hours up until noon. On the BMW Des Moines guest list here today, uh, within 25 minutes or thereabouts, we're going to talk to the president of the Iowa Wild, Todd Fredrickson. number of uh, topics we want to touch on with uh, the president of the Wild. He has been named to a really prestigious committee uh, with some real heavy hitters uh, in the hockey world. Uh, the return to play committee uh, for the AHL. We'll do that. We'll talk about the uh, some of the restrictions, the bubble as the NHL tries to move forward as, with their Stanley, it's weird to say in July, Stanley Cup playoffs. It'll even be weirder in September. Uh, and so we'll talk to him about that. And the other story, and I don't think we mentioned this yesterday, Trent, with so much going on. Hockey is expanding, not officially yet, but certainly rumors and rumors in in the state of Texas, in the city of Allen, Texas. You familiar? Allen, Texas. I'm not sure exactly right, right where it is. Maybe right outside Fort Worth. Anyways, that's where the East Coast Hockey League affiliate, essentially the double A team okay. of right. the Minnesota Wild, uh-huh. play in the state of Texas. Yeah. Triple A team plays in downtown Des Moines, as you know. Yes. We're going to talk to team president, Todd Fredrickson, in 25 minutes. But there was a, on the athletic, a guy who covers the Minnesota Wild, Michael Russo, uh, and he's a really good hockey mind, is part of his mailbag. I was reading it a couple of days ago, and there was a little nugget in there. Somebody was asking him, are the rumors true that the... East Coast affiliate of the Wild are moving to Iowa City. Oh, the new which, ice arena going up in Coralville. Right, which, and I tweeted Iowa City, and I'm, it's Coralville, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and a I, suburb. It's a suburb, and I get why people would be, you know, it's not Iowa City, you dope. <laughs> uh, but regardless, so the Wild footprint may be expanding east, not next year, 2021-22 season. There's movement, as we know, from up I-35 from the Iowa Wild to the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. And when somebody goes up, you got to find another player for that roster. And most of the time, you dip into your double-A franchise, the East Coast Hockey League. Now it's a, what, 110-mile drive right, or whatever right. it is. A little bit easier than wherever Allen, Allen Texas, Texas is. is. So, yeah, so the Iowa Wild hockey coming to eastern Iowa. How do you think it'll go over there? You know the city more than I do. Uh, it, it's not a huge community, right? And, and I think that's something that many times is missed when you're talking about attendance figures. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a city the size that we have here, and because of that, I think attendance certainly is impacted greatly. You know, for the longest time, it felt like what they were shooting for is to get a USHL franchise there, have a great relationship with Cedar Rapids and what mm-hmm. they have, and be able to kind of make a rivalry out of that. Waterloo yep. has a great program. They do uh, in the USHL, so that was at least the thought process. 
process initially, but this is something different. And I, I think it's something that can work. It's not a huge arena. It's the double A level. I don't know attendance wise. Two thousand twenty five hundred yeah, in it, something like that. I, I, I got to think on a Friday night, mm-hmm. college kids, five dollar tickets, oh, cheap beers. Yep. Right, that's I, the way to do it. Right, I, I think if you see the game, you're going to. It's it's so much different seeing it in person for the yeah. first time, and maybe find out what you've been missing. But anyways, we'll talk to Todd Fredrickson about a number of topics. I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, make the announcement here today. The announcement won't come from him when it happens. Right. But I think that it would be uh, good for the Wild to. Uh, Minnesota is the state of hockey. Iowa might be the who knows, um, the minor state of hockey. Yeah. With the AAA and the AA affiliate of the Minnesota Wild in the state of Iowa. Should it should it happen? And the uh, general manager of the Allen franchise was asked about it yesterday. And he said, yeah, there has been talks. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. So uh, he didn't throw cold water on it by mm-hmm. any means. Anyways, uh, then we'll talk to Frank Schwab on the NFL. There's always NFL topics. We'll do more on Mahomes. Uh, they're back to uh, their return to play scenarios. They're working things out. The, NH- the NFL Players Association and the teams. What's it going to look like preseason? Dot, dot, dot with Frank Schwab. He's also in the midst of doing his look at all 32 teams. Love those series. I do too. It, uh, it's one of the rights of, you know, July, August, right? Hard knocks and, mm-hmm. uh, and the guys that you follow for your NFL content doing a look at all the teams. At some point, your team's going to get uh, a day devoted to them. You want it to be later in the process <laughs> as opposed to leading off yes, Team yeah. 32. Anyways. Well, uh, I checked another one of those boxes off for you as I uh, picked up a college football magazine. Now, it's not Phil Steele. That's all right. I have reached out to Phil to get him on when Now, his you magazine... retweeted something about him yesterday. Or yeah, he a said he's getting ago. very close to sending it off to press, so Good. we are getting closer and closer. Now, normally at this time, we do have that magazine in our hand. Yeah. That is not the case this season, of course, with everything going on. But yeah, got Street and Smith's yesterday. I was at Barnes and Noble and uh, picked that one up. So it's got good information in it. I, I enjoyed it. I've just thumbed through it a little bit. I haven't got real deep overall into the magazine. Well, but I just turned to the Big Ten Pro, the yeah. Big Ten projected finishes. What does the national media love about the Cornhuskers? The name. I think that's it, right? The memories. Yeah. yeah. The memories. No, that's what it is. It has to be. Because there's nothing on the football field we've no. seen really over the last two decades They're that makes you second. believe. They're pick second. I mean, Wisconsin's picked on top where they should be. Yes. Did, did, did Street and Smith bother to look at the last five for the Huskers? I mean, did that get by them somehow? Seriously. It, it's ridiculous, the end of the season. If they're not 6-1 and one going into this stretch. Here's the final five games. Ready, folks? They play Rutgers on the 24th of October. And then at Ohio State, home to Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, home to Minnesota. Find me a win in that group. I can't. I can't. No. And unless we see a big change out of Martinez. I'm not sure he's going to win the job. And you have that part of it. Mm-hmm. Or McCaffrey. Right? And McCaffrey's able to do more than run around out there and actually can, mm-hmm. can do some things throwing the football. And that's been the knock against him, at least initially during his career in Lincoln. I'm with you. Now, if... Now, this must have gone to press really early because talking about Nebraska's top NFL prospect, J.D. Spielman. Yes, another one uh, in the Iowa 2-deep. I saw Dylan Doyle listed as the starting middle linebacker. And 
Those things are going to happen with yep. magazines. Yep. There's going to be part of it. But it's fun to thumb through, and, and you get a great preview of the FCS. You want to look mm-hmm. at the Pioneer Conference. They got a preview there. Drake picks second in the Pioneer. want to get Smith. to Drake, but for another reason, coming up here in a couple ah, of minutes. Yes. Boy, oh boy. They got to be feeling really good about what they pulled off yesterday. <laughs> uh, anyways, that in a second. Back to the guest list. It's Wednesday. David Kaplan will be here. Thank you, Centurion Stone of Iowa, uh, for sponsoring David Kaplan. Uh, we will talk Cubs. We will talk White Sox, Bears uh, with Cappy uh, at 11.05. And then back to college football with Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He will join us. John Wilner, who covers the Pac-12, he's one of my follows when it comes to Pac-12 football on Twitter. He makes the top 200, huh? My top one, uh, the top 196 or 97. You're getting awful close to that 200 I know, but I got a couple of people that aren't long for my Twitter follows. (laughs) I spent some time this past weekend zeroing in on my my next unfollows. Uh, Anyways, I don't know why I've stayed below that magic number, but I am. Um, He stated... That it that it's his belief that within the next week or two. Well, do you have the tweet in front of you so I don't have to paraphrase? Yes, yes. Let me uh, pull it up quickly. Here it is. This is from again John Wilner, out in the Pac-12. If Big Ten does announce plans for football in the next one to two weeks, good chance it pivots to conference games only in the fall, likely with a delayed start, rather than jumping straight to commitment to a spring season. So that is next on the pecking order, if you will, <laughs> at least according to his sources, what the Big Ten is going to do. That means Cyhawk, yeah, goodbye. Right. You and I, mm. that big check that you're getting ready to cash, mm-hmm. you're not going to be cashing that check. No. And, uh, of course, with it, how deep does it – so you got a nine-game conference schedule. Is it just the same? And you just push everything back and you go that route. So do you just go nine? Do you go You go ten? You go five five home, five away? Yeah. Is it become more regionalized? And you know what? That trip out to Penn State for Iowa doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It would make more sense for a team like Purdue that's closer mm-hmm. there to do that. And instead mm-hmm. of going there, Iowa instead goes to Michigan or mm-hmm. goes to Indiana, whatever it may be. And however they come up with that, do they completely reconfigure? Remember, week three, that's Iowa-Minnesota. Oh, my. Is that How big is that game? How or big is that, is that game? Is that the opener? It could be. Friday night opener, first couple of weeks, they're going to push it back, and that's how Big Ten season's going to kick off on Friday night with the Hawkeyes and the Gophers. Uh, Well, we'll see. I mean, again, he covers the Pac-12, but he's a good football guy. Um, He always has been. You know, like I say, I'm... um, You'll vouch for him. I will. He's he's made, he's made the cut the the cut list uh, when it comes to uh, when it, when it comes to the Pac-12. You know, speaking of uh, the U and I game going away, mm-hmm. if indeed that happens, they got to be on pins and needles over there. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. They have to be on absolute pins and needles. Yeah, everybody wants to play football, them included, right? Yeah. But there's more to that because of the paydays, mm-hmm. uh, the the funding. Um, that goes so far in in their athletic department. If they lose that, if they lose one or two of those, I mean, we saw uh, Doug Elgin, the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, came out yesterday. What they thought they were going to get financially this year and what they got is like half. Wow, it was a huge hit. And we're not talking about millions upon millions. Where you lose a million, well, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. These are incredibly tight athletic budgets. Budgets that. With a wrong, a bad year like they just had, can put them under. And you football know. is incredibly expensive. It is. You do have to wonder. North Dakota State, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. They they sell out the building. Well, they okay. have a media deal. They does have that matter this year. They sell out the building. <laughs> right. They they have, but financially they are in a different spot than most everybody at the yep. FCS level. 
That's not the case for you and I. That's not the case for Illinois State. That's not the case for Indiana State. When you go through these programs in the MVC football conference and across the country, and the trickle-down effect that's going to happen, Patriot League, not going to have football until the spring. Ivy League, going to announce today, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. they are not going to have. That trickle-down effect... Yeah, that, that's that announcement, impact. by the way, will surprise nobody because it's already right. out there that that's what they're doing. And that's what's going to happen uh-huh. there, the trickle-down. And remember, the Ivy League, they were out front of everything. They were. They were the yep. first to cancel their conference yep. basketball tournament. They did. And at the time, what are they doing? Really? I Panic. I, what is going on here? All right. You got these... Uh, these nerds with their glasses mm. over there, they think they know everybody. Well, no, they do. They do. <laughs> they do. We, should, we should reach out to uh, David Harris, the AD over at UNI. That's a good He's got to be having some sleepless nights, man. No doubt. He really does. Uh, those are big checks coming his way. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so then uh, we'll talk to Bill Bender, or the uh, BMW Des Moines guest list. That'll finish things. So, Trent, this story, I, I it, it's... Um, it got past me. I, I did not realize that there was a pretty important vote last night with the Des Moines st- School Board uh, and uh, pursuant to the stadium that they are going to build for four of the city schools, right? Uh, Roosevelt, Lincoln, Hoover, and North will now play their football games, well, once the stadium is complete, um, adjacent to on, on some area the Drake owns the land. So Drake's going to put in $4.5 million, and they're going to donate the land, which, I mean, lands, they're not making any more of it. Uh, lands, that's an expensive proposition, so I get that. But it's $15 million that the sales tax, Des Moines sales tax, is going to be earmarked to fund that stadium. There are pros, there are cons, without a doubt. Pros, the city schools... We'll get to play in a brand new spanking new edifice. I mean, these players that, you know, they go to Valley Stadium once a year mm-hmm. and they look around and, wow, wouldn't that be nice to have a, a building like this? I get it, right? Mm-hmm. Stadium envy. Uh, but if you grew up going to Hoover Games as a kid or North Games as a kid or dot, 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 that's where you couldn't went to play once you grow up. Get yeah. old, right? Uh, but now you're not going to be playing there. The surrounding businesses to this stadium are clearly going to get a bump. Oh, yes. Without a doubt, they're going to get a bump. That's a positive. I like that part. But in the time that we're in, 2020, in the economic collapse that COVID has brought upon this country, and we're going to localize it, Des Moines, Mm -hmm. because it's sitting here, is now really the time that we want to be writing that check for $15 million? Couldn't the $15 million be used for more meaningful purposes. I mean, how many teachers are digging into their own pockets, right? Mm-hmm. I've heard this story forever that schools are... How many cuts in schools? Teachers, associates going by the wayside. Um, classrooms aren't getting any smaller for the right. most part. Now the associate that you have to take some of the burden off of you because you've got one class after another all day long, those people have been cut. There's so many cuts in schools the $15 million in today's economy seems like, I don't know, it could be served better uh, elsewhere. Another disappointing aspect as I was going in. Well, the and vote tally, the way they moved the goalposts. Yes, that and, was, and that's exactly that's where I was fleecing. going. So they, uh, when we talked about this, what, a month and a half ago? Early I think, June, late yeah, May. We were getting into it. They collected uh, the Save Our Stadiums campaign, mm-hmm. 7,120 signatures. Right. Thought they were good. Well, they were told. Here's a, you know who told them the number that they needed? The Secretary of State, Michael Morrow, confirmed to this group, Secretary of State, mm-hmm. 
You need 5,300 signatures on the petition. They get 7,100. That's the number. They got 7,100. Then Des Moines Public Schools comes back and contends that they need 7,501, 30% of the ballots cast. And told them that number last night. Last night, the first time that number came up. You're talking about semantics here. That's moving the goalposts to use a stadium. Yes, yes, it is. Incredibly frustrating to see that. You want it to go to a public vote. Mm-hmm. That's what this is supposed to be. These are public schools. Let it go to a public vote. Don't let it right. go to whoever's decision. And that's the other part. Ultimately, who is this benefit? Who, who? Drake! Drake. Soccer, men's and women's soccer. Here's the thing. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about Drake women's and men's soccer, except family. Yep. And you care about them for four years while your child is going through the program mm-hmm. after he or she graduates and leaves. It's the last time you'll pay attention to Drake soccer. And there'll be another group of parents, boyfriends, girlfriends. Other than that, nobody cares. Does Drake need to keep up in the arms race for soccer? Really? Really? You're going you're gonna to lose out on a kid because I don't even know who they play. Valpo. Has, Valpo has better facilities? You're not going to get this program changer because Valpo's got a new stadium? Please. Unbelievable, I, and and those are the parts of these stories that I don't know what we're missing, Trent. There has to be something. There does. I I get the kids that look at their stadiums and how dilapidated they have come. I, I told you I was out at Lincoln last year. I I couldn't mm-hmm. believe how far that stadium had fallen behind. Well, we they haven't put any money into the facilities, the athletic facilities, in twenty years. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Take that money, build the stadiums back up around the community, continue to build the community aspect. That's what I personally would like to see happen. Not going to get that opportunity. And the people in Des Moines are not going to have a chance to vote. That's incredibly disappointing. It is, Trent. I agree with you. And they're not getting a chance to vote because they changed the number at the last minute. Mm -hmm. They need 5,300. The Secretary of State, this is who they went to to uh, back up the number that they needed. They went to Michael Morrill. Michael Morrill told them. 5,300 is the number of signatures you need in order for this to get past the threshold. They got 7,100, as you said. Last night they show up, you need 7,501. Really? You don't think they could have got those 400 here in the last month? <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, they got 5,300. They could have quit then. Right. Because yeah. that's all they, they could have. 5,400 and stop. And they but flew past that number. Flew past that number. Oh, sorry. You need 400 more. So... Because of that story snuck up on us, I want to read more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion is subject to change here today because we must be missing something. Yeah. The, the economic impact of the surrounding areas absolutely put a great big check mark beside that one. I get it, and I'm all for that part of it. I am. If I was a player, if I was a kid, like it's so long ago since I was a kid. But what I want to play in the at the high school and on the field that I was a little bugger going and watching these kids, you know, these these older kids play mm-hmm. at, and one day I'm going to be old enough to play on that field, or in my case, in that rink, I think that would be the case. I mean, that's not their stadium that they're going to on Friday night. That's Roosevelt's. That's Lincoln's. That's North. That's Hoover's. It's not mine. That's all of That's everybody's. And those little kids that you're talking about going to the games now that they're long ways away from bust. the stadium. Yeah, they get a pet bus, but are you going to put your first grader on a bus and send him to a football game and hope he gets back at 10 o'clock and pick him up? 
But if it's at your community stadium, yeah. then you can walk a couple of blocks. And you know what? You go over there. Mm-hmm. Or I'll pick you up after the game. Whatever it may be. Now, that's how oh, it was when I was a kid. Yes. I don't know if its parents are still right, like yeah. that now. That's how it was for us, too. Right. And that was also in a town of 4,000 people. So a little bit different circumstances. But are those kids going to make it to those games? Are they going to see it? And you mentioned the economic impact, which is great for the neighborhood around Drake. But what about the economic impact yeah. at Lincoln mm-hmm. and people going over to the Goldfish and, and having a mm-hmm. dinner before they go to the game yeah. or stopping somewhere afterwards and North and everywhere else? Those economic impacts great fair, for Drake point. and Drake neighborhood. Yeah, not great for the and four those businesses about. opened in that neighborhood. They didn't think, well, one day there'll be a stadium here. Then we'll really, if we can only make it to the stadium, <laughs> right? Then everything. Change. But you put a business up around a school in a football field, you're thinking Friday nights, those are good nights for us. Those four or five Friday nights, they're some of our best nights of the year. Mm. Those go away now for those businesses. Mm-hmm. I get why Brian Harden's ecstatic. Yes. I do. I understand it. Mitchell Moore, same way. Roosevelt, he no longer... What, what was wrong? What's wrong with playing in Drake Stadium? I mean, I get it's big, and, yeah. and you know, anybody you put in there, you look like there's nobody at the games, even if there's, you know, two or three, four thousand, whatever mm-hmm. there would be. Um I don't think that relationship was going away. Where it's, it's no. not like Drake came out and said, "No more Fridays." Right. This is it. You got two years, and we're not allowing you to come here anymore. You got to do it our way. You got to build us a stadium. Right. Yeah. Well. we'll Where did it. Roosevelt play before they played at Drake? Do you know? It's a great question. I do not know. I don't either. I mean, there's a football field on the campus, but there's right. like no stands. I don't know there's if there none. used to be stands back in the day, and yeah. renovations changed that. I'm not. Exactly sure. I'll talk to a few Roosevelt people. Yeah, I've seen that. My, my son, uh, when he lived here, he went to Hubble Elementary. So oh, yeah. he used to be in that parking lot a lot. Yes. Um, well, not a lot. Every other Friday. <laughs> it's not a very fun uh, parking lot to get through. No, it's not. But every other Friday, I was good with it because I knew what I was about to you know, yeah. get my son for the weekend. Anyways, uh, we're going to get Todd Fredrickson for the Iowa Wild next. Uh, as we continue on, we're going to switch gears. But we'll get more into this story tomorrow. I want to be fully versed on... Help me out. Uh, Miller and Condon on Twitter. Ken Miller Show at gmail.com. What am I missing on this story? Uh, why is this such a good idea to spend $15 million of tax money, sales tax money, uh, in, this, in this climate? All right, it's time to help you with your bills. Maybe we can find a winner, a local winner here. We're asking you to text the keyword SMILE to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. SMILE to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Todd Fredrickson from the Iowa Wild. Next, Frank Schwab on the NFL. David Kaplan, 11. Bill Benner will talk college football with Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO 106.org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We said at the beginning of the program, a lot of topics, hockey topics, hockey returning to play. They begin their training camp uh, this coming Monday. They will head to their hub cities, which is either Toronto for the Eastern Conference, Edmonton for those teams out west, uh, play maybe one exhibition game before we get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I will do that. Todd Fredrickson is the president of the Iowa Wild. He's on a prestigious AHL return to play committee. 
uh, with some huge, huge names in the sport. Todd Fredrickson's the president of the Iowa Wild. He's on it. He joins us. Uh, Todd, uh, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Glad to be talking hockey. Yeah, so am I, but doesn't it seem weird to you? I mean, I'm hardcore, but man, oh man, July, August, September for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know it's the world we live in, but it's still different, huh? Yeah, it's in a, definitely an odd time, and, and obviously uh, the NHL has a desire to, to finish the season and present the Stanley Cup, and you know, there's going to be a bit of a window of opportunity without the Olympics this year for uh, NBC TV broadcast as well, too, so... You know, I, I, the decision was made that they would they would do their best effort to try and complete the season, and uh, we've got about 11 Iowa Wild players that are going to be up, good, uh, joining the Minnesota roster. Um, so it'll be a great opportunity for them to to kind of be around in that environment and get their skating legs going. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's certainly going to be fun to watch on TV in the bubble. Couple in of the bubbles. bubble, yeah. Yes. Couple yeah. of bubbles, and uh, they'll be going to Edmonton for that one. So, if you can fill us in a little bit about what this is going to look like on the hockey side of things, you guys are still waiting what's going to happen with the NHL and what they're going to do for the 2020 21 season. But as you look at this, you mentioned the guys that are going to be going there from your organization. How many players on a roster, and, and how deep this is going to go with the four, 24 teams in this playoff bracket? Should be a fun run. It should be a great run, and in Minnesota's got a first-round matchup against Vancouver. Um, so, you know, great matchup for them. Our players are going to be in a support role. So, guys like Sam Annis and Jerry Mayhew and Capo Kakinen are going to be up there just just skating and, and uh, preparing and, and be ready to be called in in case there's an injury. And um, you know, from our hockey ops standpoint, our coaching staff, Tim Army, is going to be working with the group and skating with them. And uh, you know, it, it, like you said, you want them to be in a, in situations where they can be around the pros at the next level. That's mm-hmm. what they're striving to get to. And so, you know, they're just going to go up and enjoy it and be ready to be called upon, you know, as soon as they can. Um, the interesting thing about the NHL this year is uh, the first overall seed for the NHL draft is, is a placeholder right That's now. crazy, so, isn't it? Um, yeah, which is so different. Um, so a team that loses in in the first round of the playoffs is going to be eligible to potentially get the first overall pick. Um, obviously, with Minnesota, we want to go as deep as we can and win the cup. I mean, that's the goal. That's the objective, regardless of that first round pick. So, um, you know, and then we'll just have to see how it goes. Um, they're they're living in the bubble, as you mentioned. So the the goal will be to keep the the players and the staff that are involved protected and uh, and complete the Stanley Cup. And then at that point, there'll be a break. And after the break, they'll come back with the NHL season. And in the AHL season, will probably closely mirror what the NHL start time is going to be, whether that's you know November, December, or January. Yeah, that's what we were, we were figuring. And uh, you know, that's part of the return to play committee that you're on. I'll get to that in a second. I want to just go back to the bubble for a second, Todd, because uh, I, as I read uh, the particulars, and I don't have them in front of me, but I got most of them memorized here. When I look at the other sports, I think the NHL has the best chance to be successful. Um, obviously, it's going to depend on these guys staying in the bubble, but every single player, every single coach, everybody that's a part of that traveling party, we'll say with the Minnesota Wild, they get tested every day. Every person that makes their food, serves their food, in the bar, at the rink, everybody gets tested every day with the nasal swab. More than the, you know, just the temperature thing on your forehead. I mean, boy, oh boy, it's a, it's it's an expensive proposition. But the NHL, I think, has a chance to really pull this off. 
Yeah, and obviously the TV uh, revenues is, is a significant piece of uh, for the NHL, and, and uh, they want to get it in. I think one of the NHL's biggest concerns initially was the testing and, and the availability of testing. And, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where you're taking tests away from the general public. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a big concern. And part of the reason for the delay in, in getting the season back together is they want to get to a point where they, they had access to testing that wasn't going to be, um, you know, taking away from what the general public would be. And, and, we have that now in the in in this country and in Canada, and um, monitoring the players is going to be essential, right? Like you want to be able to identify anybody that is sick and isolate them and quarantine them immediately to prevent that spread of infection and, and, and thus canceling the season. Todd, as you look forward to what's going to happen with the Iowa Wild. The decision will be made. There's a lot of people pointing to late December, early January when we'll get the next regular season of hockey started up at the NHL level. For you, does that mean that's what you guys are targeting too? How much earlier could you go than the NHL when they ultimately make their decision? Well, the Scott Housen, who's the new president and CEO of the American Hockey League, has said multiple times that the schedule makers are going to be preparing an, uh, an October schedule mm. and in uh, that schedule will be flexible to be able to be pushed back to November to December to January. The league has done extensive surveying of the teams in terms of what type of conditions they would be willing to come back at in terms of capacity of fans in the arena um, and conditions in their market to be able to play again. And uh, those surveys have said that in some cases the, the teams would even be com- comfortable coming back with a February one start. Mm. So, you know, I think the flexibility of the league to be able to keep adjusting the schedule, you know, to make sure that we're coming back in an environment that's not only safe for our fans and for our players, but one where we can actually complete a season um, is going to be important. And uh, what that season looks like is, is, is still, it's probably too early to tell, but we've talked about potentially, you know, starting with regional tournaments even to get the guys skating and playing games early on um, with or without fans. And uh, we've also talked about, you know, how um, there could be potentially less teams in the American Hockey League this year if a team just doesn't feel like it's the right environment for them to play. Um, you know, they, they'll, they'll have to make that on an individual basis. Um, so, so at this point right now, it's, it's too early to tell what, what it's going to look like, but uh, that's part of what this return to play committee is going to be looking at all these various different scenarios. Uh, to make it work. We, uh, we're speaking with Todd Fredrickson, the president of the uh, Iowa Wild. We had Chris Connolly on earlier in the week, uh, and we talked about you know not only you guys, but obviously uh, uh, the Wolves are sharing the arena in the winter dates. Um, he said that you guys have been working very close together. It's just it's the great unknown for him, right? He can't schedule dates or just block off dates, or can he? How will, how will they go about that as far as blocking off dates that, uh, for your October schedule and then with the flexibility to go forward? It's going to take a pretty good partnership between the two groups. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the arena has been fantastic to work with, and we've put dates on hold through the end of May in preparation for, you know, uh, extending that season uh, longer if we have to, depending on, on when we start. And, and there's dates that are available, and uh, and there's good dates that are available, weekend dates and and all that. So Chris has been really good to work with, and, and obviously his staff, he you know, he controls the, the concession folks and the the ushers and the security folks, and so we, we need to make sure that when we do come back, like I said, it's a safe environment not only for our fans but the staff as well too. And uh, his group has done a really good job of outlining what some of their protocols will be 
we've uh we we're looking at uh various initiatives for our own season ticket holders like going to paperless ticketing uh where they can uh come into the arena and they can just scan their ticket as opposed to you know having to hand their ticket over to somebody you're just trying to eliminate some of those contact touch points and the look and the feel of our concourse might be a little bit different in terms of the interactive games that we typically have we just might have to make some of those adjustments and then the capacity restrictions, if we have to play with or play in front of less fans, especially even to start, we've got the arena, 14,000-seat arena, to be able to make some of those adjustments and be able to provide an environment where fans feel at least socially distanced enough to be able to enjoy a hockey game. Well, we'd love for you to make us uh, to break some news here today, but I think it'll come up uh, from the uh, from the parent club. Uh, Michael Russo, who you know well, is a terrific hockey writer for The Athletic. He's covered uh, the NHL for, for a long time. Um, he's, he's a really good read. And in The Athletic earlier this week, I was reading his mailbag, and I saw the rumor that the Allen franchise, the East Coast Hockey League, essentially the double-A team of the Minnesota Wild, m- is at least kicking the tires on the new arena in Coralville, and the Wild might be taking over the state of Iowa. Double A <laughs> team, double A team in um, in Iowa City or Coralville. I'm sure you've seen the rumors. Can you shed any light on it, Todd? Yeah, unfortunately, not breaking anything, but uh, but certainly we'll come back to you guys as soon as we know anything. But obviously, they're building a a beautiful facility in Coralville, Iowa. Um, Chris Connolly has had a big role in that arena project as well, too. So we're familiar with the group that's going to be managing the facility, and, and they're a terrific group to work with. So that's definitely appealing. Um, you know, there I have not seen a commitment for an ECHL franchise to go into that market yet. Uh, we have an existing agreement with our ECHL partner now in Texas for next year as well. So that's where we will be for uh, the 2021 season. Um, but, you know, we've had previous affiliations in Iowa before when the Quad City Mallards were in town. Uh, we had an affiliation with them. And, and let me just tell you, it's very easy when you can, you know, throw one of your players in a car and get them right. to Quad Cities to play or vice versa, call up a player. It's just jumping in a car for a few hours as opposed to throwing them on a plane and then having, you know, flights canceled or I guess in this climate, you know, you know, flying, you know, you, you know, in terms of protecting the player, if you can just throw them in a car. Um, you'd much rather take that route. So we'd be, you know, it'd be something we definitely take a look at and uh, have much consideration. But it would also be an extension of our brand within, mm-hmm. with, further within the state. You've got Minnesota, you've got De- Des Moines, and then Iowa City would just be a natural, uh, you know, a place for us to affiliate with. Mm-hmm. Todd, last thing back to the NHL and the uh, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup. What what what's the biggest concern? I guess going forward, going to be three games a day in each of those facilities. I think I saw yesterday noon, four, and eight local times uh, would be the uh, puck drop uh, for the three daily games. At least in the beginning, is obviously the schedule. Uh, the teams narrow themselves and get eliminated. They tighten things up. But what's the biggest fear? Do you think of being able to pull this off? You know, I just think it's the unknown with uh, with with players getting, you know, contracting COVID nineteen. I mean, I think that's you know you're living in a bubble, and and obviously you're trying to take all the precautions you can, but you know, anytime you're bringing folks back into an environment where they're around other people, it can they can be susceptible to catching the infection, and uh, and so I think that's probably the biggest concern right now. Though I, I do think the NHL has done an extraordinary job, from what I've read. Me too. In terms of the protocols that they've put in place, um, so you know the the chance of that, I, I I would hope is relatively small, but there's a chance, right? 
and that's the unknown. So, and when you get into a situation where multiple players on the team and you don't have enough resources to be able to backfill those with players, that's probably when it can get into a situation of, well, how do you continue? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's obviously what they're hoping to avoid. Uh, last thing in thirty seconds for you. The uh, I think I'm correct, right? That the NHL has to finish next year's season by the middle of July or thereabouts because of the NBC commitment to the Olympic Games should they go forward. So when whenever the NHL starts, they know that they have to be finished by mid-July if they want to keep the NBC television. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised when you see some of these TV models or these, uh, these models for scheduling, how many uh, games they can fit in. It's going to be taxing on the players. Yeah. But, uh, but to complete it, uh, you, you can get it done even starting in, you know, as late as January, you can complete a schedule with playoffs. Now, who knows? Maybe there's a reduction in playoff games played in certain rounds. In the American League, we play five best of five in the first round and then best seven in the next three. So could you potentially see something like that in the NHL? I suppose anything's possible. Um, but uh, the schedule makers do an unbelievable job, and these NHL teams can move quick, right, from, mm-hmm. from market to market on their charter planes. Um, you know, and it's just going to be less rest time in between for the players. Well, as a Canadian, I'm glad that the Stanley Cup is going to be awarded in Canada this year. First time since, what, 1990. <laughs> so, anyways. Todd, yeah. uh, thank you. Fun. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be wild to watch. Hope they are able to pull it off. Thank you. Uh, keep us surprised. If there's anything, uh, we'll be back uh, uh, in your caller ID. Appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing what you know with us. Thanks, Todd Fredrickson. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Todd Fredrickson, president of the Iowa Wild. All right, going to switch gears entirely. We're covering all sports. We've got hockey. Uh-huh. And then we're going to do football. Like that. NFL. Yep. Baseball with Cappy. Yes. College football with Bill Bender. Can we get some basketball? Well, not today, Trent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Avenue in Des Moines. <laughs> Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, Frank Schwab, Wisconsin graduate. Love talking, especially game week, right, for Badgers and the Hawks. That'll be late in the season this year. Frank Schwab covers the NFL at yahoosports.com. He's in the midst of previewing all 32 teams. As we said at the top of the show, you want your team to be late in the uh, unveiling. So far, none of the local teams, Frank's up to in the low 20s, none of the local teams have made the list yet. Frank Schwab joins us. Neither of the Denver Broncos, by the way. They're going to be pretty good. When you're not saying anything. Uh, good is relative. Good. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Right. I like this Broncos team. I do too. Surprise, surprise. It's kind of like we talk about in this state. It kind of comes down to the quarterback for Iowa this year. Yeah. It all comes down to the quarterback for the Broncos also this year. Indeed it does. Drew Locke's going to be fine. Isn't he, Frank Schwab? How are you? <laughs> What's going on? Leading question there from Ken Miller. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Good to talk to you, Frank. You know, we, uh, we'll get into your teams and what's going on with the NFL. we got to start with Patrick Mahomes uh, and the record-breaking deal. Uh, look, I think he's worth it. I mean, it's hard to say, right? Everything in context, but uh, man, oh man, the future for him and the and uh, the Chiefs so bright with him. And and have they figured out a way to not have to you know break up the gut of the roster by paying uh, most of their cap to one player? It seems like they've figured some things out here, Frank. Uh, but perhaps we'll see. I mean, 
it's hard. And the example I brought up yesterday, I think it was that story went up, was Russell Wilson. I mean, the, the Seahawks were this great, fantastic roster, and then Russell Wilson got paid, and, and they're so good, uh, for sure. But, you know, the, the roster is clearly not what it was five years ago, and, you know, Russell Wilson was still, you know, making peanuts, basically, on his rookie deal. So, it, this, you know, the, the the fact of the matter is, Peter Holmes is great. He deserves his money. I think the Chiefs were it, it, fine. I have no problem with the contract at all. But I think the truth needs to be said that, you know, since the salary cap came to be in 1994, that no quarterback making more than 13.1 percent of his team salary cap has ever won a Super Bowl ever. Like it just hasn't happened. And Steve Young in 1994 was the 13.1. Only seven guys making more than ten percent have ever won a Super Bowl. This is—I mean—and this is all logical. This isn't some weird stat that you can't wrap your head around. Once quarterbacks get paid a, a ton of money on the cap, roster building becomes hard. It's—it's it's just you know, what are you going to do? It's a salary cap sport, and you know, whereas the Chiefs right now it could have a Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones and go side Tyron Matthew. It, they're going to be, you know, hard pressed to 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 keep guys like that in the future because Patrick Mahomes is going to be making forty five, fifty million dollars in the cap. So it's it, it, look. I have no. I'm not saying they shouldn't have signed it. I'm not saying he won't be, you know, worth it. But the fact is, the the challenge for the Kansas City Chiefs got a lot harder with this deal. Now it's it's great to have that piece in place, and he he might be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Uh, who knows? Like he's off to that kind of start where you can actually say that, and it doesn't sound crazy. But it's it's going to be a challenge, and we'll see how they navigate it. Because it's if Patrick Mahomes wins one more Super Bowl under this deal, he will make history because no other quarterback has done it. So uh, speaking of that, I've seen a lot of people banding about, and I know you like win totals. You like gambling. You uh, write about it at yeah. Yahoo Sports, and it's legal in Colorado now. That too. it is. Super Bowl appearances by Patrick Mahomes during the duration of this deal. I put it at two and a half. Which side would you be on, Frank Schwab? And I, I just take the under because a what I just talked about with the roster construction mm-hmm. it's it, it's tough and the history is is pretty steep at this point. We're, we're talking more than twenty five years of history with quarterbacks, you know, not making that much uh, percentage of the cap <laughs> Super Bowls. And just you know, more things can go wrong than they can go right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, in nineteen eighty four, nobody thought. Dan Marino would never make it back to a Super Bowl. Yeah. In 1996, nobody thought Brett Favre would never win another Super Bowl. And, and on and on. I, it's just, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's, and things can happen. Like, you know, look at like something like this. Like Andy Reid is, I believe he's 62 years old or somewhere in there. He's got his ring now. How longer, how much longer is he going to coach? Is he going to be around for 10 more years? Probably not. It, it, maybe they hire the next Freddie Kitchens as their next coach, and they just kind of get on that hamster wheel. Like, who knows? I, there's just a million things that will change over the course of this contract. So it, would it shock me if Patrick Holmes made three, four, five more Super Bowls? No, he's, he's great. He's, he's phenomenal. But more things can go wrong in the NFL than go right. So I, I would take the under there. And it just, again, it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to, to field a, a championship-winning team with one guy making that much of the, the cap, no matter how great he is. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports is our guest. Uh, Frank, what is the... Uh, the biggest sticking point between the players and the clubs as far as getting to training camp on time and, and what training camp is going to look like. We know the preseason games have been cut in half. 
Uh, are they done cutting preseason games? That remains to be seen or not. What uh, what what is the biggest hurdle out there to get tr- players to training camp and make uh, everybody as happy as they possibly can be in August? Right, and I think that's a tough one because I, I don't know that it's one specific thing. If, if it was one specific thing, then he could you know get through it pretty easily. But I think it's just the whole notion of player safety and what. How do you kind of go about this? And is there going to be enough testing? And is there going to be enough of a ramp up to the season? And do you play preseason games? The NFLPA is pretty adamant that no, they don't want any preseason games. And you know, coaches, we all know football coaches. They're not going to give that up without a fight. Like they, they, they would, they'll die on that hill that they need preseason games when you know maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's I just think there's a lot going on here, and. I think that there's a we don't we haven't talked about it a lot, and I don't know really why. We've just kind of been focused, I guess, on the baseball labor deals and the NBA bubble and all that. There's a labor fight coming in the NFL now. They might figure it all out really quickly in the next three weeks and go camp on time, and you know whatever happens happens. But I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. I mean. There's going to be revenue stuff they're going to have to talk about. There's going to be safety stuff, testing. What happens if uh, you know guy guys test positive? What are the protocols there? There's a lot to get through here, and you hope it's not some ugly MLB type of labor dispute that kind of pushes everything back and back and back. But I, I can't rule it out right now because I think that this is. It's so unprecedented, and and players are rightfully nervous about you know what's going to happen next, and whether they can opt out, and what that looks like, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think there's a lot to be worked out in these next few weeks. And I wish it was just one thing because then it'd be kind of easy to to kind of make make an answer. I think there's a lot of moving parts here, and and that's going to be really complicated to work through. One of the other uh, big off-season stories has been what's happened here just lately, the Washington Redskins, the possibility of them changing their name, something that it seemed forever that Daniel Snyder was steadfast and was never going to change under his watch. That has changed, and who do you like as a front-runner for the new nickname for the Washington football team? It just all signs point to Warriors. I mean, I didn't know this until I read, you know, my friend Les Carpenter over at Washington Post. He said in 99, uh, Snyder bought the rights to an expansion team in the AFL, the Arena Football League, and, and he had already trademarked Washington Warriors. He, he obviously mm. likes that name well enough. <laughs> so it, there's, and, you know, I think for some reason they want to, they they want to you know uh, have a military tie in there why I don't know but you know kind of a military tie in and also kind of looking at their heritage and you know Warriors checks both of those boxes Red Tails is a great one I think those are the two front runners Red Tails obviously the Tuskegee uh, Airmen mm-hmm. in World War Two and and that would you know I think that would be very popular and it kind of sounds the same so yeah it's a pretty quick transition but I think those are two options. It just if from everything I, I could tell, it, it's I, I would say Warriors would have to be the overwhelming favorite. The, the interesting thing to me is how quick can this get done? I, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm being dumb about this, and obviously, it just it just any new name would be fine because obviously it was time to change that name. But one dumb thing in my my football nerdery here is. It takes years for them to design uniforms. Like literally, like teams who who are designing uniforms for 2023 are already working on it. Well, uh, would the Redskins be able to change everything in the next 
three weeks before training camp or even the next two months before the season starts? I, I'm fascinated by that part of it, but we'll see. The first part of it is just announcing a name, and, and you know, that, that that's probably going to take a, a little bit of time, but they need to hurry up with it if they're going to enact this for this season. Uh, Frank, you're in the midst of uh, unveiling your uh, your rankings, the one through th- well, thirty two all the way to one. I think we'll find out. Well, we'll find out on August fourth. August fifth is number one, but if on August fourth your team hasn't been mentioned, you know what's coming tomorrow. Um, my guesstimate, and it's just a guess, the teams one and two are both AFC franchises before we get to the Niners. Right, I believe you are correct. Yes, right. <laughs> the, the uh, yeah, I think that the two the two top teams in the AFC. Uh, I hope we get that AFC championship that too. we didn't get last year. Let's put it that way. Yep. I think that that the last two MVPs that would be fun and and all that. Yeah, I mean there's 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 a lot of good teams this year, and it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I, but. Uh, yeah, I, there's a lot. I don't want to give anything away. There, there's right. a lot of interesting moving parts in that, in, in the top, and you know which teams. You know, we we always think that teams who were good last year are going to be good again, right? Like this, this is just what we fall into. And I, I just wrote the Rams preview that that's coming out in a little bit. And 2008, at the end of the 2018 season, we didn't think we'd be here with the Rams. It, right. Nobody would have said. So, yeah, the Rams are going to fall off. They're going to be nine and seven, and then probably take another step back after that. We all we all said, "Oh, this might be the next dynasty." We always think that about teams, but every year we see a team. Maybe it's the Forty ers Like it would be crazy for me to sit here and say, "Yeah, Forty Nineers are going to finish eight and eight, and they're never going to make another NFC Championship game." Even, but it happens all the time. So uh, that's the the interesting part of the NFL is that if you're not the New England Patriots. This stuff changes constantly, and it changes fast. So it's that's why it's always kind of fascinating to, what, to read, write these previews because teams who, you know, we, we, we thought the Eagles were going to be a dynasty forever after they won with Nick Poles. And, well, that hasn't happened. So it's just fun to see the uh, the ebbs and the flows of these teams. Uh, Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. You can read them there for yourself. Team number 20, I think, is out today. The Raiders were 21. Uh, none of the local teams mentioned as of yet. Frank Schwab, Frank. Thank you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate you coming on. Good on, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, good to talk to you. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Little breaking news from WHO. Mark Freund. Freund. Freund uh, reports Dowling Catholic baseball season is done. Uh, number one team. In Class 4A. In Class 4A. They had a positive COVID-19, split a doubleheader. They played last night. They did. They did not play last Thursday. It was one versus two against Johnston. Awaiting results. They got the results, but... Must have been an updated test, and mm-hmm. that means that the season is over for the top-ranked team. Boy, mm-hmm. it just absolutely incredible. Carter Baumler, their outstanding pitcher, mm-hmm. wasn't part of the team. I, I just wasn't sure how good they were going to be. They start off the season 16-2, and two, and that's how it will end. Uh, we're going to end the first hour of the program. Who do you have tonight? You've got Southeast Polk on the road up in Ankeny, an old rivalry there. You know yes. about that rivalry. Yeah, football was nasty for a while there. Two really good teams. going to yep. be a fun one tonight, 7 o'clock here on KXNO. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, David Kaplan will talk baseball with Trent and myself. We're here until noon. We've got another keyword coming up at about 11.20. Bill Bender on college football. We're here till noon. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.